0: Coming up next on Contemplate.
1: From the beginning of the church, the church has had one really difficult problem. It's made up of people.
0: Boy, that's really true. People cause all kinds of problems, even and sometimes especially in the church. Please turn in your Bible to Acts chapter 6, and here's Pastor David.
1: Chapter 6, this is where we are, verse 1, and let's just start tearing through. It says, Now, in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. All right, what we've seen most recently was the apostles arrested, taken before the great Sanhedrin, and eventually they got beaten and released, right? Um, and we saw that after that, that they were daily in the temple and house to house and they didn't stop. They didn't cease preaching the word of God, right? Even though they were beaten, even though they had been arrested, they refused to stop preaching the word of God. And as a result, we see in this verse, the first verse here that it says, now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, okay, um, there's addition and there's multiplication. My wife's a math teacher. I was not. A particularly good math student Um, luckily the person sitting next to me was and so I got through Um, hey forgiveness grace is for all of us and you know multiplying suggests not just we're adding one here we're adding one there but boom we're abounding. We're multiplying. So as this happens and as this church is in one accord and as the disciples face their persecution and move forward, we see the church just blowing up. It's a freight train. It's moving forward. It looks like, you know, we're talking the world is going to be conquered by the power of Jesus Christ and his love and grace in no time flat because we're multiplying. You know how that works. If you've ever had a couple rabbits on your property... You know what multiplying looks like. It just gets nuts, right? It gets nuts. And so that's what's happening here. It's multiplying. The church is multiplying. But then we see something else happen. It says, there arose a complaint. There arose a complaint. Now, um, I'm not going to get into the specifics of what these particular parties, the Hellenists and the Hebrews... Um, I'm not going to get into the specifics of what they were fighting about and why and whatever. We're actually going to get into that next message, Lord willing, uh, in Acts. We'll talk about who these people were and so on. By the way, the Hellenists are not the people going to hell. That's not what that means. We've talked about who they are before, and we'll talk about who they are again. But that's actually not the important part, is the, 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 the substance of their complaint, Is not the important part. The important part is that we see the word that this complaint arose, and the word complaint here, when when we in the Greek, it's pronounced gagosmos, gagosmos. How about that one? Gagosmos. You got that? Write that down. Um, It's going to be extremely useful to you at some point. Um, Here's how the outline of biblical usage defines the word. Okay, it's defined as murmuring, murmuring, a secret debate a secret displeasure not openly avowed. That's what's going on here, okay? You can can kind of get the impression from this particular translation that somebody came to the apostles with this direct complaint about what's going on, but that's not what the passage, that's not what the word means. It's not what the passage suggests. It suggests that there was a murmuring, a murmuring rising up in the church. So, We have this church that's like a freight train moving forward. And we know that Satan, when God's work starts to really happen, Satan's got to find a way to slow it down or to stop it. And if the church is moving, rushing along in unison, then the way to keep it from rushing along is to get it out of unison, right? And so here we see, this first time that we see something like this, we see a murmuring arising Um, As I was reading some commentary on this particular passage, I came across this excerpt from a guy named H.A. Ironside. And I'm going to read it for you. It says this. Oh, how many a church, how many a testimony for God has been destroyed in that way. God may be graciously working, precious souls are being saved, and then some member gets an idea that he is not being appreciated. A spirit of murmuring begins... And such a one goes about in the church complaining about his brethren. Little unkind things are said, reflecting on others. And so a spirit of opposition develops. And the people wonder why the work of God does not make more progress, and why there does not seem to be more power in the ministry, and why more souls are not being saved. It is all because there is a root of bitterness inside which is not judged. How many warnings we have in God's word against such things. He has told us to avoid murmuring and evil speaking. Now, Ironside wrote this in around 1943, that's the copyright date on it, but this could have been written in 1850 or 1619 or 1034 or 810 or whatever, we could go back all the way to where it was written, here, right? From the beginning of the church, the church has had one really difficult problem. It's made up of people, right? And any group made up of people is going to have issues. And this is an issue that we see going on continuously. If you talk to anybody at any age of the church, you're going to find that this is a battle that has to be fought. This battle of murmuring. So what's going on here? There are two types of murmuring or quarreling or, or you know talking secretly and this type of thing that I want to address today. There's murmuring that one of us does about another believer, a fellow believer in the church, okay? There's that kind of murmuring. And then there's murmuring against the leadership of the church. Both of these things happen. We need to be wary of this scheme of Satan. Satan looks to destroy unity, to divide and conquer. And anyone who thinks that they are above being tempted to murmur is kidding themselves and setting themselves up for a fall. Satan knows what he's doing. He's been doing it for a very, very long time. Okay? Remember, the church is moving forward. It's abounding. It's multiplying. Rushing along in unison. And then, the brakes get hit. Right? We here at this church are seeing some amazing things. Over the last months, we've seen really, you know... Crazy, amazing things. The things that God's done in people's lives, the power of the Holy Spirit that we've seen is incredible. And so Satan is going to begin to tempt us to murmur against one another, to murmur against the leadership, to have these kinds of things happen. Why? Because Satan's an old dog with old tricks. Why? Because the old tricks work continuously. This was written 2,000 years ago. You'd think the church would be like, okay, we got it, one and done. Had some murmuring, we took care of it. And, and they will take care of it, we'll see that. But took care of it, and so we, we should always be aware of it. That's not true. It, it continues to happen, it happens all the time. So I want us to be thinking about it so that we can be wary and be prepared. It says that, The scripture says that we need to be aware of the schemes of Satan. So let's be aware of it. Let's talk about this. Let's start with your brothers and sisters. What, what is murmuring? Again, remember it's a, a secret displeasure, not openly Avowed, not openly talked about it. But if it's secret and not openly avowed, then how does anyone know that it's murmuring? Well, here's the thing it's not a total secret. It's not a total secret. It's completely openly discussed with people who aren't the person that you're talking about. So it's something that you talk about with sometimes anyone and everyone but the person who you've got an issue with. Some people call it gossip. And it can sometimes be gossip, but gossip is usually something like, did you hear about so-and-so and and what they did? It's more like that juicy little piece of news. Murmuring is more like, so-and-so did such-and-such to me. I'm upset with so-and-so because they hurt my feelings or whatever. That's more of the murmuring type, right? It's talking stuff behind someone's back, talking about someone negatively, not just talking about them as a gossip, but talking about them negatively is some issue that you have with them. Okay, that's what this is. So what does scripture say about it? Let's first look at the wisdom literature of Proverbs, uh, chapter 6, verses 16 through 19. It says, these six things the Lord hates, yes, seven, are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises, devises wicked plans, feet that are swift and running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one Who sows discord among brethren? Now, this is a serious warning. Serious warning because it says God hates it when we sow discord among our brethren. It's an abomination. It's totally disordered. It's totally against God's order. Now, why? What was the prayer of Jesus? We've talked about this before. Let's let's look at it. John 17, 20 through 23. Here he's praying for the believer. He's praying for you, those who would come, those who would come to believe in him. And this is what he says I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may be one. As you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one, just as we are one. I in them. And you and me, that they may be be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. So what is God's heart here? Unity, oneness, one accord. We've talked about this. We've talked about this. He asked for unity. Why? What does he say? So that the world will know and believe that God sent Jesus, that Jesus was the Son of God. When the church is unified, people outside the church believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That's what he's saying. That's a powerful testimony. When you're one, rushing along in one accord, people outside the church believe Jesus is the Son of God and that God loves his people. How do we know it's true? What have we seen in Acts? We're in one accord. What's happening? The church is multiplying. The people outside are coming to know Jesus and believing that he's the Son of God, that he rose from the dead, and so on. Why? Because the church is unified there's a benefit to you personally. Unity also feels a lot better than disunity. There are good things about it beyond that. But unquestionably, Jesus said, hey, I want them to be one so that they will believe, the world will believe that you sent me, which means that if we're not unified, it would stand to reason that the opposite is true. The more that we divide, the more discord there is, the easier it is for the people in the world to not believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Have you ever heard anyone say, if it was really true, why are there so many denominations? Why do so many people in the church fight? Why do Christians talk negatively about other Christians? I don't want to be part of that. If Jesus is so good and it's so true, then why aren't the people more unified? Right? That happens. That happens. So these are some really, really high stakes. If we have discord... If we allow Satan to step in and peel people off and divide and conquer, we aren't just not doing a good job of making people, putting people in a position to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We're doing the opposite. We're giving them excuses to not believe it. We're giving them excuses to not believe it. So, why do we sow discord? Why do we do that? Most of us are tempted to murmur sometimes and to sow discord. Even your pastor, worship pastor, not not me. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Even, even me, right? Even me, even all of us from time to time, we get annoyed with something. We get upset with something. And our, and our tendency, our natural tendency is to murmur. It's just a natural tendency. That's why it happens so much. What does the book of James say about why we fight, why we do these kinds of things? This is what it says. James 4, 1 through 2. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. So what is it that causes fights? Is it your humble desire to see justice? Is it your, is it your noble desire to see the right thing done and this brother to be put in his place so that he'll grow? Is that what it is? No. James is saying when you have this fighting instinct... It's your desires for pleasure. It's your selfishness that's causing it. It's your desire for yourself. Not, not putting the other person first. It's not this noble thing. It's not this high calling to murmur. There's no high calling to murmur. That's not how it works. No. So what are we called to do? Well, a couple of things. Let's look at a few verses. Philippians 2.14. Do all things without complaining and disputing. The word complaining here is the same word. I'm not going to try to pronounce it again. G- g- goose moss. I lied. I did try to pronounce it. Um, it's the same Greek word that we see in Acts here. So what do we know instantly from that? Since we, since we know that we're told, do all things without complaining, what's that, what's that mean? Do some things without complaining? Do all things without complaining. I'll make it really easy, okay? Do not murmur. It is a command of Scripture. Do not murmur. So when we see what was happening here, since it's the same word, we know that whatever, whatever the issue was, okay, and we'll get to the issue of the widows and the distribution, whatever, whether it was just or unjust to deal with the issue, the way that they dealt with it for sure was wrong because we're told specifically here not to do that thing that they did. Okay, We know that. We're not supposed to do it ever. Ever. the secret displeasure, not openly avowed. That's not supposed to happen. Okay, next verse. Philippians 2, 3 through 4. So this is what we should do instead. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. How about things like, put yourself in the other person's shoes. Is it true that they hate you and want to destroy you? Or is it possible they inadvertently said something that hurt your feelings? Is it possible that you're incredibly sensitive? Is it possible? Yeah. Is it possible that you think quite highly of yourself? And whenever anything happens that that comes against that thought, you get really upset? Yeah, it's possible. So if you're thinking about, if you're putting the person who said it higher than yourself, which you're called to do, put your brother your sister higher than yourself, right? And you're thinking about their interests, not just your own interests. You're a lot less likely. You're a lot less likely to start murmuring. You just are. Let's look at another passage, Colossians 3, 12 through 15. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, Bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all, these things put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you were called in one body, and be thankful. A couple of things. It says that love is the bond of perfection. What does a bond do? brings things together it unifies what causes unity unification love we want unity we got to have love and it says that we're called to be one body and we've talked about this a number of times let's talk about it again first corinthians 12 12 through 14 for the as the body is one and has many members but all the members of that one body being many are one body so also is Christ. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. Acts church is one body. The church. There are other Christians besides us out there. They're the church. They're one. We're all one body with them. What, what does that mean? That, he's, that he is through us doing his work. He is through us doing his work of salvation, of saving those people, bringing his grace to people. So if he's using us literally, we talk about things like hands and feet, right? We're doing the work. He is through us doing the work. But if our body is fighting, it's not moving. If our body is fighting and we're constantly having to, ah, this hurts. I better stay in bed today. The body better not move because it's in discord. It's not getting along. I don't know how many of you are in a position where you're getting older and your body sometimes sows discord among its members. But I'm even getting old enough for that to be the case. And as my body sows discord, it is an abomination to me that it does so, right? I hate it. It makes me less able to do the things that I could do. When I was like 20 I could jump really high and run fast and do all kinds of other stuff. Now, not so much, not so much. So if we're the body of Christ, we're not hindered by age, right? The body of Christ can be healthy and vibrant if it's just unified, because that's really the issue. When I was 20, my body was unified. None of it was complaining against the rest of it. If we can be like that, we can be effective. The less we're like that, the less effective we're gonna be. Simple. It's simple.
0: While it is a simple truth, it's often not all that simple to make unity a reality. And in our next episode, we'll learn a lot more, so I hope you'll join us. And just a reminder, you've been listening to Pastor David Robinson from Axe Church in Vancouver, Washington. And we would love for you to come see us this Sunday morning. Find easy directions and all the info you need at ActsChurchNW.org or call 360-885-9000. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you'll click on the next episode for more great Bible teaching here on Contemplate.